that process of reduction um, is something that I constantly challenge myself with. And ever since I just ask myself, what else can I pull out from this mark that I'm working on right now to make it more simple? Because simplicity is gonna make it more effective if it's done properly. All right, sir, we should be good now. Loud and clear. Good. Can you guys, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yes, no more perfect. vacuum cleaner. <laughs> nice. Um, well, cool, man. Well, I, I don't want to take too much time because we're already 18 minutes into the hour here. So, um, But I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to chat with you, and I know Josh is excited to chat with you as well. And Absolutely. It's been a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's good, it's good to see both of your fresh faces. Yeah. It has been. It has been a couple uh, couple weeks since I think we last spoke, but um, I've been watching from afar, and it's just it's cool to see how busy you guys are um, are these days, and keeping up with um, with I'm, I'm sure the business side of things, but also um, from the social side of things in terms of you guys getting just you know the different topics out and things you guys are doing. So cool to see it all. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you. It's been uh, it's been interesting. It's we're following uh, Gary's advice of becoming a media company that sells a product. So. It's uh, Listen, yeah. It, it's not the worst place to get advice from. So yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us an update on you. Other than the move, what's going on? What's up with the Sasha Group? What have you been working on? I see like a million logos coming out on your uh, on your Instagram. <laughs> so what's going on there? Um, yeah. So I mean, and I think you um, when we when we met initially, meaning um, Evan, you and the team there, and hired up um, in the Sasha Group. Um, I had just transitioned into my role as a uh, branding director for the Sasha group. Previously, I was a creative director. Um, the difference being um, in a, my prior role at uh, the Sasha group, um, I had, you know, I worked with uh, and worked alongside and managed a team of about, I think seven, eight creatives in the Chattanooga, Tennessee office. Um, you know, doing a lot of different things, um, primarily, you know, uh, creating campaigns, ideas, social content for a lot of the clients that we were working with. And I'd done that historically, you know, for basically my entire time as a creative um, at the Sasha Group. And then previously when we were um, VaynerMedia before mm. we had transitioned to the Sasha Group. Uh, pre, Pre-COVID, you know, I had been kind of figuring out what I wanted to do next and had some conversations with uh, James Orsini um, who sits at the top of the Sasha group as well as Gary himself around sort of what the next step would be for myself. Um, and part of that was me wanting to actually, you know, come back to upstate New York, which is where I'm originally from, not necessarily back to New York city where I moved from to go down to Chattanooga, okay. uh, but further upstate, uh, in a, in a city called Saratoga Springs, um, which in term, kind of mimics the size and shape of Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at the time I'd kind of gotten back into brand identity and and logos and all those things. And, um, the conversation I had both with James and Gary was, Hey, I'd like to be able to move back upstate primarily just to milk more time with my, my parents and grandparents now to my kids and just be around family. Cause I've been away for uh, about five years now, uh, at that time. And, uh, so the ask, it was actually the first time I had asked anything of Gary was, I'd like to be able to work remotely from, you know, upstate New York. Again, this is pre COVID pre everyone working wow. remotely. Okay. Um, and we had a few folks working re- remotely for the company. So I knew it, 
you know, there certainly there was a precedent or there some other folks who had done that prior to me um, asking for it. So I felt good asking Gary about it. And I had done some brand work, brand identity work for Gary in the past, having done the, uh, the VaynerX logo and a few other things for Gary. I kind of internally become like the logo guy for lack of better <laughs> words or titles. Sure. Um, so he knew I was capable of, of, you know, of doing that type of work. So I asked him about primarily focusing on that um, while working remotely, um, you know, without hesitation, he had said, of course, why would I, you know, not want you to be close to your family and still work with us? And it came at a time when we were getting more and more clients who were coming to the Sasha group asking us, hey, do you do brand identity? So it, in a mm. weird way, it was great timing and very serendipitous and maybe it was right. fate, call it whatever you want. Um, but everything kind of lined up to where we were getting companies. Um, and this is prior to meeting Evan Yu and, and hired up. Yeah. Um, we had had some other um, uh, medium sized uh, businesses coming to us saying, we need some brand identity work. Do you do it? And um, I was able to take that on full time while moving to upstate New York. So long story short, I've been up here for about a year now. And um, I mean, you were part of, you were part of the process and then some of the work that we did yeah. um, and there have been slew since. Um, so it, yeah, it's been, that's kind of been my life now and transitioning more into this role as a, branding director, which again, focuses on all things brand identity, the creation, uh, the creative portion of it. Um, I work hand in hand with um, Katie Higginson, who is head of strategy on, on the branding side. So we have a small branding group um, composed of a few individuals and I work on the visual component of it. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been fantastic. So yeah. now everyone's working remotely. So it's less of me like being a, my own person on an island, but everyone's sort of kind of doing it to uh, in their own right. Um, so that's kind of been what I've been doing for the past year and probably the past couple of months since, you know, we connected and did work together. Yeah. Is, is everybody at Vayner still remote? Are you guys still completely remote as a company or is anybody back in the office yet? Um, they're sort of phasing it out as I imagine most companies are. Yeah. Um, they're not demanding anyone come back into the office. So it's not like you're going to get fired if you don't do this. Uh, they're being very cautious in, in how they're rolling out um, the messaging and, and just the process of people getting back into the office. Yeah. I believe down in Chattanooga for the Sasha group, um, they're having people going in and out, but they're kind of, again, X amount of people, alternating days, right. no side-by-side desks. They're keeping them a little bit separate. And I think it's a similar stance um, in New York City as well as LA for um, for VaynerMedia. So they're just being cautious on, on how they're, they're rolling that out. But again, by no means are they saying that you have to do it. Um, I think Gary yeah. is actually a fan of this. Like it can be done. Look happening, right? It only yeah. took a pandemic to prove to the world that right. working remotely can, can be done. Um, but again, there are some folks who enjoy, like I, I kind of miss being around, you know, other individuals and creative folks, just right. like that atmosphere. So, um, as great as it is working remotely, uh, part of me also just misses being in an, an office, you know, in, in oh, an yeah. office environment, um, to kind of just spur some of that creativity. So, um, but yeah, so they're, they're, I think they're still kind of figuring it out and I'm sure over the next couple of months, um, hopefully as things continue to get better, um, with, with the vaccine roll, uh, vaccine roll, it's that yeah. maybe you'll get back to some sense of whatever we're going to call normal. Yeah. Yeah. I know for guys? me, what's, uh, going what's going on down there? Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, first of all, what's going down here is we recovered from a snowstorm. I don't know if you knew about this. Uh, I think the we, whole world <laughs> heard about that, which is, I know. 
bonkers. Jeez. So what's funny is I, I actually lived in Boston for a few years and I went to college in Boston. And of course, you know, it snows a lot there, but they also have much like, um, much like New York city, they have protocols and everything's pretty cleared up, you know, ASAP here. They have plows. I can't imagine you have a ton of city plows. <laughs> no, we don't have those. No plows. No plows. I, I thought, you know, oh, well, this is Texas, right? So we have a lot of tractors here. Get out the tractors and use them as plows. But uh, right. that did not happen. That yeah, did not happen. Right. Yeah. Man, was it like, like a 10-day stint? How long technically was it from like the day it happened to like the day that you were sort of out of the woods? It was, it was quick. It was like, like five, five or days. six days. Yeah. It was quick, but it wasn't, you know, it was the, 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 when it was actually happening was bad because you, you know, you couldn't get any food. You could, it was kind of like right when COVID started. And then what happened was, is, is, uh, everything started breaking because our pipes, you know, we have no heat tracing. We have, we have nothing that you guys do. And so it's, uh, you know, I woke up on Monday morning, it was negative two degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've never even seen negative two. Right. Like you have, but like I've never even been in negative yeah. two degrees. And so. PTSD. Yeah. I mean, like two days after that, it was 75. And the, <laughs> the whole state was just disaster because right. every pipe was. Bre- I mean, I think downtown Dallas, I mean, every single waterfalls off the apartment right. building balconies. It, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I saw a lot of those um, people's pipes were bursting inside their inside their homes, and it was just like, I mean, the water damage was yeah. ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Like, um, well, it's good to hear you guys are okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ice storm, pandemic. W- I mean, hopefully things don't necessarily come in threes. We're but, prepared um, for everything. We've seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready now. Yeah. Um, Man. Well, hey. So you know, I I am. Um, I, I really want to really pick your brain during this time because uh, I think you're such a you're such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the design and like you said the identity of a brand um, and I think uh, I, I want to hear from your perspective the the difference there and you said it a minute ago um, that I assume there's a difference between just logo design and brand identity can you talk about the difference there because I, I think they're two very different things and we've experienced that quite a bit from you guys with our with our company but what's the big differentiator from just just the design versus the actual brand identity creation that, that you do for the company yeah I, I think a lot of people um, get them confused or think that they're the same thing a logo and the brand identity and in fact you know a logo is just one aspect of a larger brand identity um you can think about it in 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 terms of you know imagine a a book right your your logo is the cover of the book but inside there's either chapters there are other things right just pages and pages and pages that relate to the story behind that book and that's what you know that's the brand identity is the entire book the logo is primarily just the cover sure um and you know even to kind of dig a little bit further into that you know brand identity isn't also just a visual thing your logo, your color palette, the fonts you choose. There's also a whole verbal component of it too that I think a lot of folks forget about. Um, verbal meaning, well, how does your brand talk and sound? How does it communicate when it's engaging with you know with your consumer base um, in a uh, in, in an uh, online chat form, <clears throat> online chat form or in social media, right? Like, how does a brand come across? So, brand identity 
encompasses both visual and verbal. And it's certainly more than just, you know, a, a graphic, your logo. Um, and I think folks need to kind of remember that, um, you know, again, that it's just, that there, are, there are more things that, that go into creating a brand identity than just coming up with the logo. Logo is a very important thing. Usually it's yeah. the first thing that folks see. Right. But, you know, the brand behind that is, is going to give that logo meaning. And there's a lot of different components that have to be thought out when it comes to um, forming and creating uh, anyone's brand. Yeah. So, like, what are the, what are some of the things that you take into account? And and if if you were a small business owner that was just starting, what are some of the things you should be thinking about and coming up with a brand identity? I mean, are, are you thinking about like who you are as an individual behind the brand? Are you thinking of what's your culture? Like, what actually goes into a, a, a quality brand identity that really portrays who the company is. I think there's a lot of things, there, there's a lot of ways into it. Um, especially for, for smaller businesses, a lot of times when you have a, a founder or founders, one or two people, um, a lot of times a brand identity can be an extension of who those right. founders are, right? Their ideals, their beliefs. Um, so if, you know, if, if you in fact own your own business and you're trying to figure out perhaps you're struggling with your own brand identity, yeah. a lot of times just look inward and figure out well, what, what is it that you stand for? Why did you start this business? And a lot of times there's a lot of, you know, connected tissue between um, the person who started the organization or the company um, and what the brand identity could potentially be when that's not the case, say when there's a handful of folks, um, who are involved or come together to create it, then I think a, a, a kind of a digger or a deeper um, dig is needed in terms of figuring out, um, you know, who are you talking to, right? What's yeah. happening in the world that you're, you know, if you're a, if you're a business that makes clothing, right, you know, fashion label, right? What's happening in the world of fashion that you should be mindful of and how can you set yourself apart? Where's the white space mm-hmm. to place your brand? So you're not necessarily becoming another me too brand like other um, other labels next to you. Sure. Um, so it's a combination of, of looking at a lot of like, yeah, just what are the competitors doing? How can you be different? You know, and how can that be a part of establishing what your brand will, will become? Um, and, but again, I think it, it all boils down to, um, you know, the why of it all. Why do you, why are you doing this? You know, uh, what do you bring into the world that hasn't been done before? And how can that start to help you refine, um, you know, what your brand might eventually become. So there's a lot of strategic stuff and foundational work that has to go into, um, that process. And it, it's one that, um, you know, we do here at the Sasha group, a lot of that upfront work, um, uh, should be done before you go and create, um, you know, anything visual or verbal, because, you know, again, my portion of it, the visual side, creating the, the, the logo, uh, the different design elements, the design system, as we call it, is informed by all that foundational work and strategy that, that goes into, yeah. all right, what's brand going to stand for? What is it going to mean for the consumers that we're trying to talk to? Um, you know, once that's established, and we're feeling really good about that. Then comes my part of it, which is primarily, uh, again, uh, bringing it to life in individual verbal form. Hmm. That's so good. What is your design process like when you you know i mean you can use us as an example like what when you're creating the visual look and feel of a brand what's going through your head because i remember when you were working on our brand you had like these pages of of h's like just different styles of an h that was i mean you 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 spent a lot of time on that's like do you have a, a a system that you work through that that 
step one is this that you know like what is chris's system to creating a, a look and feel of a brand yeah i think for the most part um my process in getting to the final mark is is uh, a similar one each time i go and do it primarily um again taking a taking a look at and having gone through that strategic part and sort of making sure that i'm clear on what the brand is trying to become and then now how do I bring that to life in a very, very simple form? Um, I do have uh, sort of a, a criteria uh, in which I follow um, in terms of creating an actual, like, let's just talk about the first thing, which is the logo, right? Mm. Um, so there, there's a there's a, a path that I take um, and a philosophy that I have around, you know, what is an effective and good logo design. Yeah. Um, and the, real quickly, it's, you know, is the mark appropriate? Um, is it distinct slash memorable and is it simple? So, um, when I have that checklist in front of me and I'm, and I'm getting, you know, pencil to paper, um, I'm literally letting that, I'm allowing that to guide my thinking and my process. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, you know, with, with literally pencil and paper, I'm doing a ton of sketches. And again, I think you saw a lot of that. Um, and then eventually it, you know, it, it, it goes digital and I don't stop there. Even when I'm on in the digital, um, part of it all. I'm still exploring and trying to, you know, again, create something that is, um, that abides by those three rules. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and there are a lot of different ways in going after it, um, with hired up specifically, you know, there, there was a lot of different ways in which we, we could have done that. I think you saw, um, a, a good bit of the process in terms of the outcome I mean, the final march that we presented to you. Yeah. Um, there were a few like H icons and symbols, um, we ultimately ended up with the, uh, the word mark hired up. Yeah. Um, but even then having an abbreviated version of that, which is just the up part. Yeah. Um, again, in these days, you know, it's not, it's nothing new, but I'm always a big, you know, advocate of having some symbol, an abbreviated version of your logo, um, whether it's the initial or an abstract mark that can live on its own in moments where real estate might be too small and you mm. have to have something that, is, that works in that space. Um, you know, in, in your instance with hired up, it could have been in an H or something like that. But when we went the path of having the word mark be the logo and just having the word up actually up in, um, the word, the, the UP, the up actually became a beautiful little, um, uh, secondary, uh, logo for hired up. Yeah. That just works so perfectly in moments of like, you know, uh, social avatars or profile pictures yep. are just moments where, you know, again, it just has to live in a small space. And if you were to, if we were to try to cram the entire hired up logo in there, it would have gotten really small or right. it, it would have gotten repetitive as we talked about when we walked through the process, because some of these platforms already have your name there. So you don't need to have your name in the picture. It's a little like, yep. okay, I get it. Um, so just to make that, uh, I think a, a more fresh look, having a, a symbol or abbreviated mark and in your case, having the UP in there was just a nice solve um, that I think further underlined what you guys are doing there in terms of, mm. you know, elevating this whole process of interviewing folks to the use of, um, of this video component, which was, uh, which is pretty cool. So um, again, whether it's, you know, going down the path of a word mark, creating a monogram, creating an abstract mark, there are a variety of different ways. I think there's technically there are four different ways to arrive at mm. a logo. And a lot of times I'll try to go through those four different ways, you know, um, again, the combining of letters or having a, a, a standalone letter, doing something abstract or having a word mark. Um, there are different avenues and paths on which we can go down to create something. 
Um, but ultimately, you know, with you guys, it just works so nice to kind of just have that word up or the, the last two letters of hired up, which is the word up just kind of uniquely pushed up to the top yeah. um, to again, underline um, what, how you guys are elevating uh, the interview process through the app. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it worked so well. Like my favorite version of that is on the actual app. So like, Stan, and I remember we talked a lot about this. It just pops on your phone screen. Like having that, that app on your phone screen, it pops not only the color, but the, just the, the word up right. is, is perfect for that app icon. And, and it's funny because remember when we talked about color initially, you were, you were like, no red, I don't want to see red. Yeah. Like you were I know. against, and you know, and, and this is a good little story because a good example of um, building a brand and trying to figure out how can we stand apart beyond just the product that, that we have, which is certainly innovative and different. That, that's massive. Right. But then when you can have that innovative product and a good looking brand that's got a good story behind it, I think there's magic there. And in your case, having the product check, awesome. Yep. What can we do with the brand to make it stand out? And it wasn't, I think when we were going through the process, we had that one slide where we showed all the logos of the companies who would be considered competitors, right? Yep. Uh, LinkedIn's, the um, Indies, and some other smaller players, Monsters, and that. And they were all sort of in that blue green camp. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting because you don't really think about it until you see them all in context on, on one slide to where you're like, man, what if we did choose something like red um, as the primary color for the brand? What would that look like? So that particular slide, I think was very telling. And I think your reaction to it was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah we just stand out primarily just for the use of color. And listen, color can be a massive branding mm -hmm. element. You think about brown and UPS. I mean, right. like it's, when you see the color brown, you almost immediately think UPS, right? Yep. So, you know, we know color could be um, one of the best assets for a brand to own. And I think in your instance, um, I think seeing all those logos together and having yours in red, it immediately pops. Um, and then again, the, the fun little, you know, hidden, the word red is actually in hired up. Yeah. So we have that yeah, one that slide great. where like, man, it's, it's literally asking to be read. It's <laughs> asking to be read. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, on when we saw in context of an app on the phone, that red also pops um, simplicity of just the word up in white against the red as a little app icon. It was, it was hard to argue that. And I think you were quick to agree and like, man, yeah, I think this is a smart move to, to, um, to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have it on my phone and it's so fun to see how clear that is, especially when you're looking at a ton of apps a good majority of them are just as simple and effective as yours. Yeah. A few that aren't, um, just to really kind of see how powerful that, that mark can be in the context of an app on your phone. So, um, 100%. I think again, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm happy that we got to that, um, that place. Um, I think it was a good, it was a good working relationship between, um, you all and, and the Sasha group. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm so happy with it. And I remember being so against red, and then when you put that screen up and I saw how our name popped against everybody else's, I was sold. I was like, yep, that's, that's it. That's well, it's like we sometimes we have these subconscious beliefs about these colors, right? Which I think is the reason a lot of these competitors had those similar colors is because we think of blue, we think of green, we think of calming, 
Purple. Know. Purple's a big one. I remember we looked at right. a lot with of them have like monster it. or something. But with red, you know, sometimes we are sway away from it because we think danger. Or we think, you know, this is, you know, end button or something like that. But uh, red can also mean new and exciting and passionate. And it's just, uh, I, I agree. Because when I came on as a team and I, I saw a lot of the work that, um, the great work that Sasha had been doing, I immediately, and this is how I know you guys are fantastic i immediately understood from my perspective the voice the tone the personality exactly yeah. what you guys were were going for and that was articulated so well and so thoroughly that i was able to just come in and start creating content uh you know exactly how um you guys envisioned the company so uh, that's just a testament to the great work that you guys do so yeah no and i appreciate that and, and i think you know on this on the topic of color to your point, Josh, I mean, anyone can, you could literally talk yourself out or into any color. <laughs> sure. Right? Like, like to your point, red means danger, right? Um, it also means stop and take a look. That's why stop signs are red because it, it immediately draws your attention. Right. So, right. you know, for, for anyone considering color, you know, th there's, there's a ton you can get into in terms of color theory and selections. And I think it's, it's worth having the conversation, but at the end of the day too, and you know, I think it's just probably me having lived in the world of Gary Vaynerchuk, we overthink these things too much and they can become hurdles and they can literally stop the process dead. Yeah. And that's what you don't happen. Right. So I think it's, again, it's important, but at the same time, I wouldn't overthink it. And you know, if you can have a objective conversation around it, unless of a subjective one, right. I think mm. Evan, initially you were like, I don't like red. I think it was a very subjective call. Yeah. Right. So it was on me to try to figure out, all right, hearing him, how can we put this in, in, in the context of objectively looking at something, and perhaps even just talking business talk for a little second to, to, to land on a color. And, and that's when the idea that let's just put all the logos on a slide and show you what happens when we do choose a color like red or I think we even had, I think we had a version of it in purple and it just blended right in. Right. So, yep. you know, for, for the young designers who might be listening to this, mm -hmm. um, learning how to speak business with your client, um, is a good thing to learn because you can't just walk in there and say, dude, man, because red's cool. Like you never would have, you never would have approved if I just said, yo, man, because I think red is cool. Yeah. You got to do red. Would've right. Been like, Get out of here. I think I hate it. I told you I hate it. Why are you bringing this to me? Yeah. Right. Instead, we, we, we put in context of this is what you're going to be dealing with. Like these are the brands that you're next to. And if right. you want a chance at, at competing, we got to do something different. And in that case, Let's show, let's show what happens when we put your logo in red and the sea of blue and greens and mm. purples. Like, so, um, yeah, I, you know, again, um, those are the kind of conversations that we had and, you know, I, I respect the fact that you were taking, you were willing to take the time to, to listen and have them. Yeah. And again, I think we ended up in a really good spot. I, I think so. And that's such a good, so let's stay here for a second because I think there are, I mean, we live in a time where like freelance is so big, right? Freelance, I mean, everybody wants to do video or design or editing or something like that. <clears throat> and I think something that many young designers might miss is what you just said. It's like, you cannot just be a designer. Like just because it looks good and you think it's pleasing to the eye is not good enough. You have to appeal to the business side of whoever you're working with. And, and you're absolutely right. Like you, you, you know, being a, a brand designer, you came at me with a business case as to why this was a, a good choice. And that was completely different. Like you said, if you would have come and said, Hey, this is just, you know, it's great. It's, it's, it looks cool. Like this is a hip color. 
it, it wasn't that it was you, you had a, a great case as to why it, why it was um why it was a good choice from a business standpoint so i think that's good um I, let's talk for a second about you know like i said there's so many young designers out there what do you see what do you see young designers doing right doing wrong i mean with your experience and now you're you know obviously working with gary i mean what are some things that young designers can be focusing on that that you think they might not be um yeah, it's a great question. I, to me, I, I think it's, it boils down to process, right? And when it comes to, let's just talk about uh, specifically logo creation. Sure. Um, a, a lot of designers, now it's the first place, a lot of designers are just starting to cut their teeth in, 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 in this world of brand identity, um, only because they don't necessarily have, they're not in an environment to where the collective project of developing a brand from top to bottom is usually um, available to them. Like, you know, it is in, in the Sasha group where we sure. have clients who, you know, will pay X amount of dollars to do a full project. A lot of times, um, rightfully so young designers will just start with the logo. And, you know, I, I think when I'm either in, in, you know, critiquing student work or going back to my, you know, alma mater, St. Rose in, in um, upstate New York and just sitting in on a class that's kind of going through the process of logo design. Um, I just see a lot of times the, the process just being rushed. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in, you know, don't rush, rush the process. You just trust it. Right. Let it take you places. Um, and I, to this day, I still, you know, um, I do the same thing myself. Right. So the sketch, you know, we going back to the, your comment around the sketches, right? Like I still have, still have it all here. I'm working on a project right now and it's, yeah, look at that. You know, apologies for the paper sound. That's okay. Um, but it is this, Back to, back to the basics, you know, how do I, how can I crack this logo in 10 different ways, like sketch it out, sketch it out, trace. I have a massive collection of old and new um, logo books that I'm constantly flipping through for inspiration, but also as a mental audit to make sure I'm not doing something that's been done before. Right. Um, and that to me has now become the most romantic part about what I get to do for a living, which is literally I can put music on, I'm looking through logos, logo books, I'm doing my own sketches. That becomes the most fulfilling part. And it's the hardest part because you're, you're trying to, you know, um, crack the mark in more than one way. Mm. Um, but a lot of times I think there's just like, I, I, I got one option. Let me now hop in and, and like present it. It's like, I, I, you know, I'm more of a believer and a huge fan of, and this is something that I learned going through design school with my teachers. Um, that there's no, there's no one way to do it. Right. There's, I mean, there's probably 10 more hired up, really, really good hired up logos that we could have presented. Right. Yeah. And I think there was another one that was in the running that we had liked as well. Yeah. Um, and ultimately you do have to make a, 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 an informed decision on what we feel is the best move to make. But, um, I think some of the, again, I think a lot of the things that I see sometimes are just young students trying to quickly get to something and say, yeah. all right, what do you think? Whereas mm. spend more time, you know, back in, you know, uh, however you want to do it, whether it's sketching on, on, on a notepad or on the, you know, digitally on the computer, like really going through and carving out and exploring, allowing, allowing yourself that freedom to explore um, the different corners of the project you're working on and really challenge yourself to see if you can come up with something truly unique and different and simple and appropriate, that, that checklist I spoke to earlier. Because, um, I mean, ultimately, I think that's just going to yield much better work. And a lot of times you can surprise yourself. To this day, I still surprise myself. I'm like, damn, 
had I not gone back, had a client said no to the first round, yeah. he never would have gotten to this mark. It literally mm-hmm. just happened uh, like a month ago on, on, on another project I was on. Like presented some stuff that I thought was really good. Client said, ah, just not there. Went back, continued pushing, and then boom, come up with a beautiful mark in round two that was amazing. And the client loved it, right? So mm. um, I think designers also need to just listen to their clients who they're, who, who they're doing the work for and make sure you're, you're, you're hearing exactly what it is that they're saying. And a lot of times, you know, I think designers feel like we're always right. Like this is our thing. Like let us do the work. Yeah. And we're the logo designers, you know, we're going to do it right for you. Um, but I think I've had moments where clients have rightfully so, you know, um, called out some work and ultimately it allowed me to go back and redo some things or take the feedback and work on that and ultimately come back with more work and more often than not, it's, it's even better. So I think, again, to answer your question, long story short, um, give yourself enough time to go through the process mm. and really, really challenge and push it. And then two, like just listen more, open up, be, yeah. be more open to your clients making suggestions mm. and offering up different things, get in their heads a little bit more and how can you interpret that and then bring back something. I'm not saying allow the client to dictate your work, and I think this goes both ways, right? Clients right. should also trust the agency, the designer. But I think being more open to having really good, truthful, honest conversations from both sides, um, I think ultimately yields really good work. I, I think so. How, how do you not become married to your work? I mean, because if you, if you spend a lot of time on something and, and a logo that you love, and then a client comes back and they hate it, how do you how do you deal with that and then take that as feedback and information and go back and, and keep making new iterations? How do you not become married to to their response? So um, another great question. And going back to that um, that criteria in which I create logos, I also serve that up as criteria in which to judge and critique the logos in client presentations. Hmm. Um, I believe we also we, we did it in our in our process with you. But the first thing I do before going into any presentation, it's a little like logo 101, but it's like usually the, the second slide after the title slide, whatever it is in the presentation, um, I lay out those three things, right? What makes a good logo? Is it appropriate? Um, is it distinct, memorable? Is it simple? This allows us to have an, uh, an open objective conversation and less of a subjective one, right? So if I've done my work and following those guidelines around creating the mark. Now I set up the conversation and how we're now going to look at them. A lot of times you can get around because more often than not clients make subjective uh, comments on logos. And that usually is like the nail in the coffin for some, I just don't like that shape. I don't like the color. Um, If you can set up the conversation to get around that, and look at it from an objective standpoint, what actually makes for an effective logo, the Mm. conversation becomes completely different. Now, the person sitting across the table or in the other room across through the computer now understands, oh, okay, I now know it has to do these three things. So I'm not gonna look at it from a, I hate that shape or I hate that color. I'm going to look at it differently. Is it going to do these three things? Because if it does, we will have an effective logo that's actually going to work for us. Right. right. We'll have an abbreviated mark that will work as our icon when we, when we don't have a lot of space, mm. you know, uh, for hired up. Right. So, um, 
I, it's not, it's, it's less about me being married to the work. It's yeah. more or less about me knowing these marks that I'm about to show you will do everything that it has to do in order for it to be successful when we go deploy it and when we go use it. Right. right? Not so much, man, I love this thing so much. I, I want to sell it. And if they, if they hate it, I'm going to be crushed. Mm. Um, it still happens from time to time. It still happens. But for the most part, going through the process I just ex- explained helps um, particularly clients understand what a logo should do. Mm. And a lot of times it's less about love at first sight. It's more about, can this thing actually work for you when we go use it? Yeah. And that, that's a different conversation than a subjective one. Um, so again, I, I would implore anyone listening to this, especially young designers, start the conversation in that manner and watch the difference in the conversation that happens afterwards. Mm, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say too. For anyone listening, not just designer, but any sort of creative person in your workplace, if you're doing creative work, this is how you present your work. I mean, this is such valuable information as far as giving people choices, as far as setting up the conversation to be one objective versus subjective. I mean, these are just huge, huge things rather than just giving someone one choice and saying, do you like it? Of course, you know, and they say no, and then you're crushed. You're, you're crushed and there's, there's an end and it's just not very effective. Um, so communication is so key and you've laid out some fantastic ways of communicating effectively with creative work. So, And you, and you can't take it personally. It's like, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever taken um, anything personally when it comes to the work that I put in front of clients because of that setup that I just explained. Yeah. So listen, if it, if for some reason we do all that and the client still doesn't like it, that's okay. Sure. Right. Again, there are, there are probably a hundred different solves for any one logo. Right. And a lot of times if it's one or two folks, you're never going to get to all 100 solves. You know, you're going to get to hopefully a few good ones and you're going to put them, you're going to put in front of you, you know, the person who's going to have to make the call. Yeah. Um, and if they don't like it, great. You go back and you, you try to, you know, crack it a couple more times again. Right. So, um, I just, I just try not to take it personally. And of course I also have, you know, 15 years under my belt to where I'm just like, okay, you just brush it off. No big deal. Yeah. You know, whereas I know younger designers, it's like a little bit more like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. But that just with rest come that right. confidence of cool. We didn't like it. All right. They're good marks. Uh, and Hey, listen, we're going to go to round two. And for some reason this has happened. Round two sucks. Suddenly they're like, man, that one in round one, you know what? I kind of like now, right? <laughs> yep. Like these things happen all the time. And it's just, you know, don't freak out. If you've done the job, if you really have challenged and pushed yourself in that beginning process, yeah, um, then you, you shouldn't get caught with your pants down. Like you'll, you'll know I've explored. Yes. I explored what you just, what you just suggested. It does not work. And I'll even, even show you why it doesn't work. Right. So I've had moments like that too, where a client has, has suggested something and I happily, show them my exploratory board and say right here this is where I tried that and look it just doesn't hold up it doesn't work for yeah. x y reason right right that's really good you know one of the things that i notice on on many of your logos chris and and you've done it too or you did it with ours is there's a there's a simplicity to it i think many times out there you know there's there's logos that are so complex and you really have to look at them to kind of understand what's going on. I mean, is that something that you're thinking about or is that just sort of a, a part of your nature, just being a, a, you know, being more simplistic, more minimal 
with your logos. I mean, because it's it's very not your logos are very non-distracting. They get the point across very clearly, and I love that about your work. Um, and and something I see out there is is people try to get really fancy with it. I mean, what do you think yeah, about that? Um, I well, I appreciate the uh, the kind words, and yeah, I think of that list of criteria that we use to create and ultimately judge what makes for an effective logo. Uh, the last one being simplicity is the heart and soul. Right? And, and that's just design in general, not just logo design. That pertains to, I think, a lot of avenues uh, or walks of life, not just logo design. Um, but um, yeah, in, in, in having done, again, my own research um, and seeing, you know, just being in the world of brand identity and specifically looking at the logo portion of it, there is, um, there are a ton of brands who have gone through that process of um, process of reduction, meaning they've taken out all the things in their <clears throat> older logos that were causing distraction or again, weren't holding up when they try to use it very small, right? You look at brands like, um, if you go back and look at the original Starbucks logo, hmm. the, the siren was still there, but it was so complicated and ornate. As you can imagine, a lot of marks back in whatever time that was, feels right. like 100 years ago, <clears throat> they they were just very ornate and stylized. Um, and over the years, if you look at the Starbucks logo, you'll see this uh, the, the evolution of that mark becomes simple and simple and simple and simple. Hmm. They, they've gone through the process of reduction. They pulled out all the all the illustrious uh, elements that don't need to be there because they, if anything, it's counterproductive because when that mark goes small, you can't even see the siren. It's just, it's a mess, right? Yeah. Especially on, on pixel based platforms. Yeah. Um, one would argue the siren today is still a bit, um, a, a bit uh, complicated, but, but it's certainly much more simple than, than the earlier ones. And again, you see a lot of brands have done this, right? Um, most recently, uh, my gosh, Burger King just did it. They did a fantastic job. They, mm. you know, their, their 2000s shiny on an angle burger, they've stripped out all that stuff. They actually went back to their, their, their more simplified 1970s logo, mm. um, which was a much more simple version of it. So that process of reduction um, is something that I constantly challenge myself with. And ever since ask myself, what else can I pull out from this mark that I'm working on right now to make it, more simple because simplicity is going to make it more effective if it's done properly. Um, and it's going to be able, it's going to be used in, in a lot more places. It'll hold up because yeah. of that, right? You know, hired up good example, having that abbreviated UP, yep. um, works in smaller places. We, we chose a thicker, wider font. So, so when it's, when it goes small, that white or that red pops, it holds up. Yep. Um, there's not much to it. And, and that, the other part of that too, Evan, real quickly is, um, that's the challenge, right? How can you create something that is so simple, but is not boring or basic, right? Yes. So when we look at that criteria again, distinct and memorable and then simple, right? Between those two, uh, number two and number three lies the challenge for the designer, right? How do I create or so simple, but it's not boring because it's simple. Yes. Right? How do we create to where it's memorable and distinct and, and simple at the same time? So <clears throat> really good designers understand that and they navigate that that process um, quite nicely and ultimately come out with a mark um, that hopefully lasts, you know, stands the test of time. Right. Yeah, that's that's so good. 
Uh, were you going to say something? Sure. Yeah. Um, just kind of going off that for anyone listening who may not be a designer or, or you know, a, a creative working in a creative environment, I feel like even if you don't, you understand even subliminally what good brand identity is and what bad brand identity is. And I think that's kind of the point, too, is where, you know, everyone just doesn't question it. Once they sort of see something that's off, then they start seeing it, you know, and then they start questioning it. So I'm wondering from you, what are some other good examples that other people can look at as far as a cohesive brand identity and what that looks and feels like? What are some other examples that either you've worked on or that you've seen uh, recently that have a cohesive brand identity that people can kind of take a look at and, um, you know, know, kind of know what we're talking about here. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and I know you're, I, I know it's, I know it's four o'clock, so I know you're kind of up against probably your next meeting here. So I, I, I got like 10 more minutes. Okay. Um, um, yeah, again, I would, uh, man, um, I mean, I, I just pointed out like the Burger King identity and that, again, they went back and simplified their mark. Um, you know, uh, it, it made some pretty big headlines in, in, in the design community because of what they did. Um, not only did they go back, so they, they went back and used their, their logo from the 1970s, which was um, very nostalgic, um, but a lot more simple than what they had previously. But then they, they built a beautiful brand identity off of that, that leveraged the, um, the updated type treatment that they worked on within the mark, um, bright colors, but very, very simple. And then just the deployment was so nice, like they thought about everything. Um, as you can imagine, the, the, the wrappings around their food, the fry container, the bags, extending that brand identity to those places just created a very cohesive looking um, brand. And I think that's, ultimately that's what you want, right? Effective identification that is very, co- you know, it's cohesive across. It, it just, it looks the same. It's not matching luggage, right? So the, the design elements can stretch um, and become different things um, to, to, you know, fit different scenarios like a bag or a freaking cheeseburger wrap or yeah. a, 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 a tray mat, whatever. Um, so I think most recently that one, um, was beautiful. Uh, there's another one too that just came out. It's a little more obscure than the Burger King one. Um, it was for the San Francisco Symphony, um, and uh, there, I mean, the brand identity now is, is it's nothing new, but it's it's now you know that we're in this digital realm. It's becoming um, it's it's taking a different shape, and literally in this in in the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, um, it does exactly that in that they're. Um, the designers behind that, I think the group was called Collins. Um, uh, the agency there literally brought sound to that identity. I mean, it makes mm. perfect sense. Symphony is all about music and noise and sound. And they built an algorithm um, that actually affected the logo in certain capacities, um, primarily, of course, in, in the digital um, realm where the logo would, would move and adjust with the sound that would um, be within the same environment in which wow. the logo was played. That's cool. Website. That's great. So, I mean, amazing. I mean, when, when you look at the logo as a static form, it's like nothing great. It's kind of this wonky looking like type treatment. But then when you look at the broader brand identity and how it's deployed and how they brought music and sound into it, and I think that that's super, and it, I, you know, we talked earlier about brand identity is more than just visual. It's There's a verbal, there, there's a, an audio 
portion that can be a part of it if, it, if it's done right. And if it's, of course, if it's appropriate. And in that particular case, it certainly was. Again, it's, it's, it's the symphony. And what they did with the brand identity with that was just mind-blowing because of mm. the way it moved and um, worked with sound. And I think that, to me, is probably one of the best examples I've seen recently of brand identity, um, you know, for my gosh, for the San Francisco symphonies, like yeah. kind of an odd client, but right. just they brushed it. It's so good looking. I would encourage everyone to go check it out. Yeah. That's great. Um, Chris, give us 60 seconds on your side company. Tell us what's going on there. With Godspeed? Yeah. I oh, see man. you. I see uh, you're repping it right now. I love it. Yeah. This, this an old jacket of mine that a friend do some, some stitching on. Um, Godspeed. So it, it started, uh, it started as a, um, an Instagram handle years ago, 2012, 11, early on in the Instagram world. It was primarily a place where I could just uh, um, document, you know, my journeys from riding a motorcycle in and around New York City as well as traveling outside. Um, and also just documenting the motorcycle community wherever I was going. Um, it soon then became, uh, it shifted a couple years into it when we started, when we decided to make our first product, which was um, a shirt called the ShopRag shirt inspired by the automotive and motorcycle, you know, world or shop rags. You can usually find them in, in garages of you know, all kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led us down the path of trying to make this shirt in order to, to stay true to the shop rag, um, to make this shirt completely on us soil, um, using only American made factories, which we ultimately did. So now the, the company is certainly still inspired by, um, the automotive and, and two wheeled, you know, enthusiasts and motorcycle community and all stuff. Um, but now we've sort of shifted, um, or we've added one of our brand pillars is investing in American jobs by supporting American manufacturing with every product we make. So whether it's the shirts, you know, this mug here, we just made um, diner mug that's made in Liverpool, Ohio, the ceramic diner mug capital of the world. Like we go deep on, on, on researching um, the different products we're going to make. And we, we do our best to 100% make them in the U S because we know that, it helps the local community because I've, I've walked through some of these factories that have been decimated by overseas production yeah. um, or manufacturing. And, um, you know, and you can see the, the pain that it's caused in some of these employees as they've, you know, reminisce about what the factory used to be. So that has become now um, a big part of what we mm-hmm. do with the Godspeed company, which is anything we do is, is always um, American made um, and an attempt to just help put money back into these factories and these paychecks and keeping the lights on and all those things for these factories that we choose to work with. So, um, yeah, we're, we're rolling out some new stuff here, here soon. So it's always kind of a fun thing too. My buddies are involved with me. So it's just a matter of us like figuring out how do we continue to build on our own brand and stretch it and do some really cool things while still staying true to the things that we ultimately believe in. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. And we'll put uh, we'll put all of that in the description of this podcast and the YouTube and everything because I want people to find you. Um, Chris, I, I mean I mean it when I say it. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. Every time I come away from a conversation with you, I'm, I'm so excited and happy. And I was so grateful to do this interview with you. Um, I just, you know, thank you so much for the time. And, and we're very grateful. And it's always good to catch up with you. Man, I appreciate you guys so much. And Evan, likewise, man, I... I, I I'm fond of our conversations and we have, we've had a few of them. Um, and I'm, I'm just more thankful too, and for the opportunity that we had to work with you and I'm stoked to see, you know, where you guys take this, you know, uh, hired up and what's going to happen. And I chuckle every time I get to see it, you know, on my phone, you know, it's yeah. a great thing to be able to have. So 
thank you um, for the opportunity. And of course, I think the, certainly the friendship and the conversations we've had since then. So we're here to help as always. So, you know, let us know what we can do, you know, what, what I can do, whether it's in, in Sasha group or outside of that, I'm always here. So beautiful. Well, thanks awesome. so much, Chris. Thank you, so much, yeah, Chris. thank you again. Have a, have a great afternoon. We'll catch you soon. Guys, stay safe down there. Stay warm. Thank right? you. We will. No we more will. cold yeah. weather here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. All right, All right my friend. Thank Thanks so much. Bye-bye.